This is the day that the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. Hi, my name is Dr. Lou Diaz, pastor of Butte Bible Fellowship located at 2255 Pillsbury Road in Chico. And I'm providing inspirational teaching for you from God's Word each week. Listen to my weekly radio program, Encouraging Words with Dr. Lou Diaz, at 10 a.m. on Saturday or 10 a.m. on Sunday. If you would like to hear my current message series, you may call Butte Bible Fellowship at 530-892-0521. Many of you know Handel's Messiah. But do you know the story behind the writing of Handel's Messiah? You see, Handel was in debt. And he was fearful of being thrown into debtor's prison. And he had been struggling for a long time. But when he got this uh, libretto to put music to it, he was inspired from above. And this is what he credits to the completion of this masterpiece in just a three-week period. He said it was because of joy. He's quoted as saying that he felt as if he would burst with joy at what he was hearing in his mind and heart. Instead of dying as he thought he would, he lived to see his oratorio become a cherished tradition and a popular work, and it even was used as a fundraiser to help the poor and the destitute. The Bible says, the joy of the Lord is your strength. And that's what our study is about in the book of Philippians. Our study is on the influence of joy. And last week, we looked at praying with joy. I pray with joy. This week, we look at We share the good news of the gospel with joy. Next week, we'll look at, I follow Jesus with joy, then I press on with joy, and then I receive blessings with joy. So today, sharing the good news with joy. The outline is very simple from the text, Philippians 1, verses 12 to 30, that we are to share the good news with those around us, We either share the good news with confidence, we're the share in spite of competition of others and why they share. We're to share as long as we live, and we're to share without fear. So first of all, sharing with those around us. Paul writes in Philippians chapter 1, verse 12, Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. Now this is very important. I've highlighted two phrases. The first is, what has happened to me? Paul, in his letter to the Romans, chapter 1, verse 10, said, I hope to visit you that we might be a mutual blessing one to another. He envisioned as a missionary going to Rome to share the gospel. But instead of going as a preacher, he ended up going to Rome as a prisoner. Not as he had planned. So he is in Rome. He's under house arrest. He's chained 
to guards 24-7. The guards have a six-hour shift that they're chained to him, a three- to four-hour shift that they're trained to him, and not the best of circumstances. But, he says, what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. And the word advanced in the Greek, the Koine Greek, is a military term, and it means to prepare the way. You see, the military would have those who would clear the rocks and the trees and prepare the way for the army to be able to advance. I was at dinner with some friends from the church here this past Friday, and uh, I asked this man who had served in the Navy, what did you do? And he said, I was in the Seabees. And that was that we would prepare the camps for the troops. We'd prepare in advance so the troops could make progress. So this is Paul looking at his circumstances, and instead of feeling sorry for himself, instead of being full of gloom and doom, he was rejoicing. Why? Because the purpose for his life to advance the gospel was being accomplished. God was opening a door to the very palace and the palace guards and residents by him being in prison in Rome. The gospel was being advanced. And imagine him being tied, or excuse me, uh, chained to these guards. It says in verse 13, as a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. If Imagine yourself as a soldier. You're one of the imperial guards. The imperial guards is the best of the best. That would be the Navy SEALs or the Army Rangers. The best of the best military would be chained to him and they would have shifts. You wouldn't be chained to the Apostle Paul very long before you found out what made him tick. He would say, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And believers, uh, these soldiers became believers. It says in the end of the book, chapter 4, that we send greetings from the palace, including some residents here, some of the soldiers here. So soldiers were coming to Christ, and notice it says the whole palace guard knew about why he was there, and everyone else knew why he was there. Now gossip is when something bad or questionable about somebody is spread from one person to the next. But the gospel is gossiped as well. When people hear the gospel, when they hear good news, they tell others about good news, who tell others about good news, and there was a ripple effect going on in Rome. Hey, did you hear about that prisoner in cell number 302? He's here because of Christ. Christ is, is this Savior who saves you from your sins. If you'll believe in Him, you can have peace and love and joy from God by trusting 
in Jesus, the Messiah. And people were coming to know the Lord in the major center of the Roman Empire. Praise be to God. The gospel was advancing. Now, you think to yourself, why is it that when I received Christ, I wasn't immediately raptured and brought to heaven? It's because God has a reason for leaving you here on earth. You have a purpose in life. And your purpose in life is to advance the gospel by sharing with those around you. Now, what if somebody was chained to you? What if somebody was shackled to you to walk with you throughout the day? Would there be enough evidence from your life to indicate that you're a follower of Jesus Christ? Would they hear any words from your mouth that indicate that you love the Lord and for you to live as life and to die as gain? That's a challenge. But we need to be filled with the Lord and love for the Lord so that we overflow in sharing with those around us about Christ. Every person who does not know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior is somewhere on a negative scale. Negative 10 would be the person who is a, a militant atheist, hates Christians' guts, and uh, says everything they possibly can say negatively about the faith. Someone who is minus one is someone who is questioning the faith, but is open and intrigued by the faith. And then you have everyone in between. So every person who doesn't know the Lord is either minus 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, or 1. Your job, your mission, if you choose to accept it, is to help a person move one step closer to Christ. Your job is not to save them. The Holy Spirit saves them. But your job is to show enough of the Lord by your life and by your words so that a person moves from being a negative 10 to a negative 9. Your purpose for living is to advance the gospel by removing trees and rocks, by removing obstacles to the faith. When they see Christians who are having fun, it blows their paradigm, their, their view of Christians, because they thought Christians were a bunch of sour people. But they're having fun. They could have fun too. When they see Christians who play music, they say, wow, they play music too. It's interesting how you can develop a relationship with someone, how you can show the love of the Lord to someone, how you can choose joy in the midst of hardship, and people wonder, what makes you tick? And because you were honest in sharing about Jesus, you move them from a minus two to a minus one, or maybe a minus one to receiving Christ, and they enter into the kingdom of God. Secondly, we see that we're to share with confidence. Philippians 1.14, Paul writes, And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord. Now notice the descriptions here. They're confident in the Lord. They dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. Those three things are happening 
because Paul is in prison. Not only is he removing obstacles and opening doors for the gospel to be right in the center of the Roman Empire, but other Christians are inspired by his faith. They're inspired by his courage. We've got an insider. Yeah, he's in jail, but he's spreading the gospel. That jail isn't holding him. It's not binding him. He's sharing the gospel and he's setting prisoners free who are prisoners to their sin. Now they're getting set free in Christ. Praise God, we've got an insider at the Capitol. Wow. So you can share Christ with confidence. Bill Bright wrote a book. Bill Bright, the president of Campus Crusade for Christ, wrote a book called Witnessing Without Fear. He says, do you know why when you want to share about Jesus with someone you feel fear? Because you are encroaching on enemy territory. The devil doesn't want you to share Christ with people who don't know the Lord. He wants them to remain in a state of having a veil over their eyes so they don't see the love of God in the face of Christ. And so he'll do everything he can to intimidate and say to you, oh, don't, don't be a, a, a lunatic. Don't be a, a Jesus freak. Keep, keep those words to yourself. No, we need to share with confidence. Paul said in Romans 1.16, I am not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of salvation to all who believe. First to the Jew and also to the Greek. Do we have that kind of confidence or are we ashamed? Will you stand up, stand up for Jesus? That's the question. We are to share the gospel with confidence because Christ is the answer. There was a pastor who would preach from this pulpit, Louis Rickey. And he would say, Christ is the answer. And he believed it. And he shared Christ boldly, confidently. And you and I need to do that. So Shirley and I were at a mission in England. And we loved our hosts. We were relative newlyweds. They were newlyweds. Hugh and Ruth Spanner. And we went to a Bible study. And at the end of the Bible study, this man named Alan said, I would like prayer for more boldness in sharing my faith. And I felt burdened to take that prayer request, and during the time of wrapping up the small group Bible study, I, I was going to pray for Alan. So I said, oh Lord, I pray for Alan. Give him boldness. Give him great and mighty boldness. May he be bold in sharing his faith with everyone he meets. And Hugh and Ruth start giggling. I mean, they're about to bust a gut. And, and we're like, what's going on? And they couldn't wait to get out of there. And so Shirley and I walk with Hugh Ruth to their house, and they're laughing so hard, they're crying. And I'm like, Ruth, Hugh, what did I say? Well, your American accent makes it sound so that instead of saying boldness, you were saying baldness. And the funny thing is, Alan has a toupee. 
So you were praying, oh, give Alan great baldness, mighty baldness, and may he be bald in front of everybody he meets. I'll never forget that. God wants us to have boldness. Share with confidence. And then we're to share in spite of competition. Philippians 1.15 It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The word preach here in the Greek means to canvas for a political office. Now you know with the ramping up towards elections that what politicians are trying to do is they're trying to get as many fans committed to them as possible. Well, unfortunately, in the Christian world, that can be true, that there are those who feel they're in competition with other Christians. They want to get a bigger, better church. They want to have a best-selling Christian book. And for that reason, they may put down others so they can lift themselves up. They're not out for making followers of Christ, they're out for making followers of themselves. And that's what was happening in Paul's day. These people weren't preaching heresy. They were preaching the gospel, but they were criticizing Paul. They were trying to put Paul down so they could steal his church, so they can get other people to follow them instead of following Paul. And Paul says this is a sad thing that's going on. But know that there are some people who are preaching the gospel out of good motives, out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. But the former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I'm in chains. But guess what? They can't stir up trouble. They can't press my button. Because what does it matter? What matters is, the important thing is, that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Why am I here? Why are you here? Why was Paul alive and why did he exist? For the advance of the gospel. And so whether a person was preaching out of good motives or whether they were preaching out of bad motives, as long as they were speaking the truth, the Holy Spirit shows up and He saves souls. So you might see a person on TV and that person on TV is, is saying, you know, send me your donations. And they may be questionable because they have big jets and fancy mansions. But guess what? Whether they are preaching Christ for the wrong motives or not, the moment they share the gospel, there's a holy God, we're separated from Him, Christ died to close that separation so that when we trust in Christ, we are saved. As long as they're preaching the gospel, the Holy Spirit uses that to bring people to Himself. What is the gospel? In one sentence, the gospel is the good news of forgiveness of sins through faith in Jesus Christ. That's a wonderful sentence. The gospel is forgiveness of sins through faith in Jesus Christ. And as long as that's preached, the Holy Spirit can use it. 
Now, we are to share with others. We're to share with confidence. We're to share in spite of competition. And we're to share as long as we live. As long as you have a breath in your body, advance the gospel. Because that's why you've been left here on this earth. Clear the the obstacles, plant the seeds, and reap the harvest. That's why we're here. So Paul writes, Yes, I will continue to rejoice. For I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. Paul is confident that even though he's in house arrest, and he's, been, he's going to be waiting for two years to appear before the Roman emperor Nero for a decision about whether he could be set free or executed. He is saying, what's holding me together right now is the fact that you're praying for me. And may I say something very profound to you? When you say to me, Pastor Lou, I'm praying for you. It's like you handed me a million dollars. That's how important your prayers are. When we pray for one another, it makes a difference. Someone may be in a prison, a prison of sadness, a prison of loneliness, a prison of financial trouble. And to know that people are praying for them is one thing that holds them together. The second thing that holds them together is the Spirit of Jesus. You're never alone. Jesus is with you. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. He is with you to the end of the age. It says God has provided the Spirit of Jesus Christ. He's known as the Comforter, the one who's the paraclete, who comes alongside of us and walks with us every step of the way. The Holy Spirit is what who helps you in times like this. He continues, I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Paul is saying, I want God to receive glory and honor in my life. I want to be a testimony for Jesus, because I want the gospel to advance. And with that, I'm going to share Christ as long as I have a breath. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. A friend of Shirley and mine was the head of Word of Life Camp for Panama. It was a Sunday afternoon, and he was preaching that verse, Philippians 1.21. For me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. And as he held forth the Word of Life to these young teenagers, He was talking about how he had left a life of drugs and how he found meaning and purpose and the forgiveness of sins through faith in Jesus Christ. And that evening, his wife rushed him to a clinic. And while he was waiting for the doctor to come to him, he dropped dead of a heart attack. No one knew that that was his last sermon. His last message was, for me, to live is Christ. And to die is to gain more of Christ. What a powerful message. Is that true of our lives? You see, life is not a role. It's not the job you have. 
Because if you make your job your entire life, no wonder retirees who are, were executives are dead within six months after they retire. Because their job was their entire life. They thought life was a role. No, it's not. And life is not a position. And life is not about performance. Life is about identity. Who you are in Christ. Because that never changes. Roles change. And um, positions change. And your ability to perform changes. But who you are in Christ never changes. For me to live is Christ. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. You see, I'm alive, but I've died to self, and Jesus lives in me. And Jesus is living through my life using the filter of my personality to love on other people and to point people to salvation, to point people to trust in Him as Savior and Lord. For me to live is Christ. Now, if I were to tell you, take out a piece of paper, and on that, write out your priorities. Many of you would do this. You would write God, family, work, and you'd keep going down. But notice what you just did. Because it shouldn't be God, family, work. It should be God, God and family, God and work. You see, we compartmentalize rather than integrate our faith. Jesus should permeate everything about our lives. It's not, okay, I gave God God time by showing up in church Sunday. No. Jesus informs everything about my life. I bring Jesus to the table in whatever I'm engaged in. Because Christ is my life. For me to live is Christ, and when I die, praise the Lord, I shall behold Him, and I shall become like Him. What a glorious thought that we have heaven to look forward to. So he goes on to say, if I am... To go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. When it says, which is better by far, in the Greek, it's a superlative of the highest level. When Paul's saying, okay, should I uh, go ahead and, and die because I'm going to be executed? Uh, if they choose that, or should I try to stay here because uh, you guys need me? He says, well, my preference is I'd rather go home to be with Jesus. Now, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands, but if I said, how many want to go home to be with Jesus? I think a, there'd be a whole number of people here who'd raise their hands and say, yes! And Paul was saying, it is better by far. In other words, it's the greatest great, the highest high, the best best to go to heaven. Isn't that wonderful? That's what we get to look forward to. But not yet! God still has a reason and a purpose for your life. And it's to advance the gospel. As long as you live. Help people move one step closer to Christ. But it's more necessary, Paul writes, 
for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith. So we are to not separate evangelism from discipleship because we are to advance the gospel by seeing people come to know the Lord, but also to help them make progress and have joy in their faith. Evangelism and discipleship go together. So that, through my being with you again, your boasting in Christ Jesus will abound on account of me. Who gets the glory if Paul should live and not be executed by uh, Emperor Nero and return to be back with the Philippian Christians? Jesus Christ gets the glory. And last, we're to share without fear. It says, whatever happens, this is Paul writing to the Christians at Philippi, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ, then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in the one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. This is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved, and that by God. Do you need encouragement? I want to share my spiritual gift of encouragement with you. If you would like to hear my current message series, you may call Butte Bible Fellowship at 530-892-0521. Call Butte Bible Fellowship at 530-892-0521 to find out how you can connect with our weekly worship services and faith-building messages from God's Word.